Crispin here on the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today on the podcast, we have part two in our series, Life Connected, uh, which is our membership series that we revisit as a church every January. Today, we're going to talk about the value that we have of being a hospitable church. By that, I mean a church that is connected both in Christian community and uh, also connected to those outside the church, uh, hospitable to outsiders. We'll also have a night on a Thursday night at the end of the month, January 30th, we will have a brainstorming meeting for those with ideas around missional community. And also I want to say that we started Relate Registration, which Relate is our course for couples that will be kicking off the last Tuesday of the month as well. Visit that all at northshorevineyard.org. Thanks for listening. Well, this morning... We're going to continue part two of our series, Life Connected, which is, uh, as I said last week, is kind of our uh, membership series of sorts here. We don't really do, a lot of churches do like a uh, six-week Sunday night membership kind of thing. Um, I decided a year ago, like I was really conflicted what to do with membership. I hadn't been a real big fan of membership ideas in a lot of churches. And so we kind of settled on this way, that every year in January, we'll take the whole church through membership. And uh, because if these things matter to us, then, then those who have been a part of this church, we need to be reminded of them. And then those of you who are new, you don't have to go to another class. You can just show up on Sunday and you can find out, like, is this a place that you would like to be in, involved in? We will give you the opportunity at the end of the month to sign up for a year commitment here to... to uh, we, we do membership around here like magazine subscriptions, so you can, uh, and it's not automatic renewal, so uh, no, you don't have to submit any credit card information or anything like that, but, uh, but if you do want to be a part of this community, you feel like, yes, you know, these things that you're talking about, that's really important to me, and I want to emphasize these things, then, then you can sign up at the end. Uh, but before I get into the message today, I want to just kind of talk about one of the fundamental things that kind of led me to this idea of life connected and what we're discussing here and it comes from the gospel of john we'll actually probably cover this in detail in a few weeks when we get back in the gospel of john john 15 5 jesus says i am the vine and you are the branches those who abide in me and i in them bear much fruit because apart from me you can do nothing uh you know i'd lived a christianity for so many years where I was trying to make fruit happen in my life. Have you ever tried to make fruit happen? Like, you ever tried to, like, this is a year I'm going to be more peaceful and, and not have anger issues. And there is something about our human efforts to try to pull things off that, that they get you into this kind of perpetual roller coaster of Christianity. And it goes like this. When I am dealing with my anger well, when I'm dealing with my jealousy and my lust and my pride well, when I'm conquering those things, which is usually about, you know, a few hours out of the week, <laughs> then God loves me. He's impressed with me. He's going to bless me. I'm living the blessed life. But then when I inevitably screw up, uh, I, I better hide from God. Uh, I, I, you know, I, God, God hates me. Uh, and, and, and so, you, so I just, I, for years I lived this, this thing kind of up and down until I finally encountered the grace of God and, and really began to understand that apart, you know, a lot of people are afraid of the grace of God. Like, oh, if you just tell people that God loves them unconditionally, that what kind of craziness are they going to do? You know, it's be wild. But really, the, the, the true reality is when you connect to Jesus, it bears spiritual fruit. 
Because the life doesn't come from you. That, that's one of, the, one of the big things we could say here this morning. You, you can't live the Christian life. Only Jesus can live the Christian life through you. And so, like, w- number one thing to, to know is that, that what we're trying to do here is not, you know, just try more things to make us better moral people, but to, to do things in our life that actually help us to realize we're connected to God and to foster that relationship. One of the analogies I use quite often in this Life Connect- Connected series is, is a garden. You know, if you want to plant something, I did a stint as a gardener when we first started this church and realized, like, okay. I'm going to let other people do that. Uh, I'll go to the Covington Farmer's Market and buy stuff from people. But, but there, there is something I learned about gardening, that, that if you want a garden, you don't just throw seed out there. You know, like I don't, if, if I want to grow seeds, I don't throw them out on the sidewalk. They're not going to do any good. You've got you to gotta prepare the soil. You've got to pull up the weeds. You've got to water it. And you create a, an atmosphere, a context that is hospitable towards life. And so when you put that seed in the ground, if the context is right, guess what? That seed is going to grow. But you really don't, you don't have anything to do with the actual process of life going on inside that seed. It comes from somewhere else. But in gardening, you create a hospitable place for that life. In the same way, that's what we're working on here as a church, and I'm talking about today is kind of the context of our life. Our job as Christians is not to make ourselves into better people. And if you do that, you're going to be miserable. And I've been around groups of people who are like that, and it's just, man, it, it weighs you down. It burdens you. Our job is to create a context in which the life of God can bear fruit in our lives. And he does. I found once I gave up on trying to, uh, on my self-help projects of trying to make myself into a better person and, and, and to impress God with all of my religious activities, once I gave that stuff up and just realized the grace of God and, and, and stayed connected to Jesus the spiritual fruit began to emerge. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. The things that, that Crispin in his own flesh can't, can't manufacture. So that's kind of the core idea behind all the stuff we're going to be talking about in the next few weeks. Being connected to God. And so in that, I want to kind of talk about a few types of churches this morning. I, I could have entitled this message... Uh, circles because I've got all kinds of I don't do a lot of diagrams here if, you, if you're new here uh, I don't do diagrams every week but today we've got diagram after diagram involving circles so um, and 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 Noah you know graphic designers I, I think you're going to be quite impressed with my first one I did this myself this is a you like that I'm thinking just in case this whole pastoring thing doesn't work out I'm going to go into graphic arts because I think I've got a real knack for it so um this is my first Venn diagram that I've ever done. Um, but in this diagram, to explain this, we've got God in the circle at the top. Now, I want to say something that I believe you can't isolate God to a circle. But for, for the sake of this diagram, what I mean by this is, is movement in the direction of God as a church. So, for instance, when we worship together this morning, that's a very vertical, uh, we're, we're, we're singing to God, proclaiming God's goodness together. That's, that's going towards the direction of God as a community. Uh, the, the, the one at the bottom is the heart. This has to do with the things that we do in our walk that get below the surface, uh, that, 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 that actually challenge our hurts, our pains, our hang-ups, our shame, uh, the entrenched stuff that we got from our childhood, you know, that, that is our ways of, of, of stinking thinking and stuff like that. You know, so it's, it's the, the impact of Christ in our heart. Then the circle on the left is the church. That's the community of faith. 
And then on the, the, the circle on the right is the culture. And, and, the, and when I say culture here, I'm not talking about like high culture, like uh, symphonies or anything. I'm just, I'm speaking broadly. I'm using that word kind of to just, I mean, it does include culture, but, but, but things kind of outside of the church. So people and the actual culture. So with this Venn diagram, you can kind of chart out or plot out different types of churches on here. So the first church that I would plot would be the subculture church. A subculture church is a church that uh, exists in the, the circles of God and church. So if you show up at one of those churches, like there's going to be no mystery of what they're about. They're going to talk about God. They're going to preach from the Bible. Um, they're going to be a very tight community. Unfortunately, the community is going to be so tight that you're going to have a hard time making your way in. And maybe you've been a part of a, a church like that or, or been to one. You it, just like, it, it's, it, and, and, and when I say subculture, oftentimes they speak in Christianese or King James English or, or, or they have their own peculiar things and, and everything is, is an, an inside story, inside joke. And you just don't have a way of finding your way in. Now, the good things with a subculture church, if you're in the clique, you got relationships. Uh, you are connecting with God. The, the bad thing is that this kind of church never impacts the community. They never impact people outside their doors. Because if you show up from outside of that church, particularly if, you're, if, you're not, if you don't have any religious experience, you know, any experience in church at all, if you walk in that place, it's going to feel like a distinctly different culture. It's going to be like going to a foreign land. So that's the subculture church. Uh, the next church is the seeker church. And this kind of is the church that developed in response to the subculture church. Back in the early 90s, uh, there was a guy named Bill Hybels up in uh, Willow Creek, uh, a church in Chicago. And he was sick of churches that were being so inward and, and, and so hard to, you know, that, that didn't connect with outsiders much. So he, he coined the phrase seeker church. Let's do church in a different way. How about we... we Instead of using pipe organs, we use a rock band. We do contemporary music, stadium seating, light, smoke. Uh, you know, uh, seeker churches oftentimes do more topical messages. So they, you know, seven steps to a successful whatever. And uh, the seeker churches were phenomenally successful with, with reaching people that were outside the church. Uh, and, and most of the mega churches around the country uh, following the seeker church kind of model. It's been wildly successful. Um, but the downside is that in a seeker church, particularly, uh, oftentimes it's a great entry place, but it's very hard to go beyond uh, just kind of the surface and in, in your heart. It's very hard to, to, to connect with, you know, really deal with stuff below the surface, and it's hard to get into community. It's hard to make your way into authentic relationships. You know, if you show up at a church like Willow Creek, I think they run 25,000, 30,000 people on the weekend. That's an easy church to be anonymous in, right? And some people like that. That's what some people hate about this church, especially how many of y'all were here when we were in our little building? You know, the little building we used for children's ministry? That was our building for everybody for two and a half years. And, like, you walk in, you're there. Like, and... We lost a lot of people that had issues with claustrophobia and stuff because, like, there was nowhere to hide, no personal space, you know. Is, and, and, uh, but, you know, the good thing about a seeker model is a lot of times you can find your way in as an outsider, but it's just very hard to, to, to go into to depth and community or even in your heart. Actually, Willow Creek, probably about seven years ago, they commissioned a study of their church because they're like, is what we're doing really making much of a difference in people's lives? I mean, we're getting people here. But is it really helping them be disciples of Jesus? 
And they commissioned a sociological study of their church. And I got to hand it to them. Anybody who would even ask those questions when you're running, like, like there's a problem. We got 25,000 people showing here on the weekend. But they, they studied their church for a year, interviewed people who'd been there for years. And what they found was there wasn't much difference between the person who attended that church and, and, and people outside the church. And so for the last few years, Willow Creek has been really trying to turn the shift, ship, which is a big ship to turn, to, to really, like, what's it mean to disciple people? What's it mean to, to grow in our relationships to look more like Jesus? And, um, and i got to hand it to them. That, 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 that's great that they're doing that. But they realized that their impact was a mile wide. They were great with connecting with the outside culture, but it was only an inch deep. So it just didn't go very much into the heart. So that's the secret church. Uh, the next one would be the self-help church. I used to call this the Dr. Phil Oprah church. Um, this would be a church that, that is good with connecting with the culture uh, and, and even good with connecting with, with issues in the heart to some sense. But a lot of times they leave out God in the process. And so uh, I, I think a, a good example of this might be, I mean, this isn't a church, but think of AA. In AA, one of the steps is uh, it, you admit that there's a higher power. There's, there's not a whole lot of encouragement to be in relationship with this higher power or definition of who this higher power is. So it's kind of just like, ah, you know, it's good to believe in a God in, in the 12 steps. But, uh, but I think there's even, even some churches that have so kind of watered down the, the, you know, the Bible and what it means to be in relationship with God. They, they've kind of just tried to make it so palatable to outsiders that they've kind of just gotten to a place of it's, it's purely just kind of pop psychology now with, uh, you know, a little Jesus uh, stuff put on. I could name names, but I won't. Um, so that's uh, the you know kind of self help church, and then finally we'll we'll talk about the hospital church. Um, the hospital church exists. I put it. It's actually at the intersection of three circles: God, church, and heart. And uh, you know, a, a few years after Dina and I, you know, when Dina and I, you know, the first church that I was a part of here in Louisiana as an adult, um, I was there for about four years, and Dina was there for probably about a year and a half. Uh, we got married there two years maybe, and. Um, it was an exciting church. It was fun, except there's just some really toxic leadership things going on. You know, a lot of manipulation, control, legalism. Uh, as a brand new Christian, I just thought, yeah, this is the way, you know. But, but after a while, I was like, yeah, this just doesn't strike me like Jesus much. And we left that church, and, and as I, I, I've, I've mentioned this before, that the further I get away from that experience, the more I kind of, it, it really had some cult-like kind of, you know, if you look at what makes a cult, I'm not just, you know, people toss that around or word around but it, it, it felt very cult-like you know especially coming out of it you know um, but the church we went to after that their slogan was a hospital for the hurting that was their slogan and we went there to that church and, and that's what it was like to us it was a hospital like we could show up nobody ever asked us to serve or do anything it was great some of y'all are like I, what's that church I want to go there <laughs> uh, but, but we would just show up week after week. The community was very loving, and, and they, they were connected to God, and it was a great place for us to get healed up. And we were there for about four years. But let me tell you this. I wouldn't normally bring outsiders to that church because it was kind of like, like you wouldn't bring some outsider to your family reunion, right? So, most people, right? <laughs> 
Like you, you just like some of your friends, like you wouldn't say, hey, come with me to my family reunion because you're afraid of that crazy uncle or, or you know, somebody's going to do something crazy and you're going to have to find yourself explaining. We loved the church, but it was just not a place we would ever bring somebody that wasn't a Christian because we would find ourselves having to explain too many things like, oh, yeah, that, that lady over there, you know, she just kind of, you know. <laughs> so the church was good with connecting with God, good with connecting with the heart, um, good for, for community. But it, it, it didn't connect with the culture. Which brings me to really where I feel that we're called to be as a church is in the intersection of these four things. God, heart, church, and culture. Now I would say that, that living in, in this, this place in the middle is very hard. And I think very few churches actually live there. And I don't even know if we live there much. But that's what I want to shoot for. And it means living in tension because it's a lot easier to go to one side or the other. It's a lot easier to just be a church that embraces the culture uh, and doesn't worry about community. It's a lot easier to be a church that just values community. We get a nice little club, a nice little clique, and we all love each other. We're like a box of puppies licking each other, uh, and we're cute. <laughs> it's a lot easier to do that than to be a group of people who take seriously authentic community, who take serious worship and the heart. You know, there's people, I spent years of my life, I loved worship, but I never let God below the surface of the heart. And, and it's easier to go to one of those extremes or the next. It's very hard to live in the center. And if you live in the center, it's going to feel like tension. But I want to say something about tension. You know, uh, one thing about musical instruments here, th this guitar over there, the... A, a string, when you apply tension to it, that's when you get the tone from it. You get, the, you get a string in its most perfect place of, of tension, the balance of tension there. Not too tight, not too loose. It, it, it rings the tone that it was created to ring. Actually, one of my friends who's a, a luthier, he makes acoustic guitars. He said that the best guitars in the world are on the verge of falling apart. I mean, they're, they're made of wood that's so thin and the tension is so balanced and everything that that, that acoustic guitar is just, just a step from collapsing. And I feel like that's kind of the church we're going to be. You know? <laughs> Yay! More tension in 2014. Um, but that, that we, we, really, we, we really strive to live in the center. So how do we do this? Well, on to my next circle illustration. This is the difference between bounded set and centered set. Um, the typical church model that I encountered in much of my journey was what you would call bounded set. In this diagram, this comes from the world of math, uh, but uh, don't hold that against it. In this diagram, we, we see that the important thing is who's in, who's out. So you have a boundary, which is the circle. And that boundary for a group of people might be, did you pray the sinner's prayer? Do you believe in this doctrinal statement? In some congregations, it may be, do you wear a suit and tie? Do you speak in King James? <laughs> uh, some congregations, it may, be, do, it may be like your politics, what you vote for that gets you in or out. But the important thing in this kind of illustration is, are you in or are you out? I think the Pharisees in the New Testament, they were like the epitome of the bounded set. Uh, to, they, they were like tight. And so to be a Pharisee, you had to be a, a, a man, a Jew, uh, study the Bible, dress a certain way, talk a certain way, uh, hang out with a certain group of people. It was very hard to get in that circle. And, and most of the stuff that you hear the Pharisees talking about, it's very bounded set language. Like, you know, what about that person over there? What do you think about this, Jesus? You know, and it's, it's bounded set framing of faith. Now, what I see with Jesus 
And what we're trying to go for here is centered set faith. And what I mean by center, we have the cross in the middle symbolizing Jesus. Uh, in this illustration, you've got people at various different places all over. You've taken this circle away, the boundary away. And now the question isn't whether you're in or out, but where is the movement of your life? Are you moving toward Jesus? Are you moving away from Jesus? So, for instance, the Pharisees were close to Jesus in that time because they were men. They were Jewish. They studied the Torah. uh, All these things. But yet, they were moving away from Jesus. The Samaritan woman at the well was about as far away from Jesus as you could imagine. She was a woman, number one. She was a Samaritan, different ethnicity, a hated, despised ethnicity by the Jews. Uh, She was living an immoral lifestyle, uh, you know, into all kinds of stuff. And yet Jesus steps up next to her, talks to her, and, and, and the movement of her life begins heading towards Jesus. And so in a centered set understanding... Uh, the, the Samaritan woman who's far away from Jesus and moving towards him is much better off than the Pharisee who's close to Jesus who's moving away. To put this another way, think about marriage. You know, Dina and I got married 16 and a half years ago. We had a ceremony. We have pictures to prove it and a video. Uh, we signed a marriage contract. We gave each other rings. Important. But the important thing today is not so much that we say we had a marriage ceremony 16 years ago. The important thing is, are we still moving towards each other? Do we still love each other? Are we still working on this thing? Is it, are we still like, I'm, I'm glad to be married to you? Because it's possible to be married to somebody uh, legally and to have your heart move away. And so the question, under a center set understanding, the question is great because this is a question that whether you're a a brand new Christian or even a non-Christian or somebody who's been following Jesus for 40 years, you can ask this question, am I moving towards Jesus or not? And this also, also what we operate under in this church is the confidence that God is moving in everybody's lives, whether they know it or not. God is at work in everybody in the world. So our job now, under a centered set understanding, we're not trying to sell you on something so we can get you in the boundary. You know, there's an old joke I heard. You know, how do you get some Christians to leave you alone? You get them to come up to the altar call and pray the prayer, and and they'll never bother you again. Anybody been to a church like that? You know, like, we'll, we'll, we'll reach out and go visit people in the neighborhoods. We'll do anything we can to get somebody to come to a church, and, it, and then once they pray the prayer, then we don't ever talk to them again. <laughs> Have you ever been invited to somebody's house for dinner and then you get halfway through dinner and then they say, now, while you're here, we've got a great business idea we want to pitch to you. You ever had that happen to you before? Like you think, they like me. This is community. We're hanging out. We're, this, is, this is fun. I, we might hang out with this couple more. And then they try to sell you on something and you're like, oh. <laughs> I thought this was a love connection. Now I'm feeling gross. And, uh, but unfortunately, I think that's what the church has done. So oftentimes we look at, at Jesus or Christianity as something that we've got to sell people on to get them in the boundary. 
And so we always look at people with an agenda. We look at them as projects. But when you take off this bounded set way of thinking, now you're free to just realize that God's at work at everybody's life. The person that seems the most far away from God, God is at work in their life. And now your job isn't to be the Holy Spirit and, and, or a salesman or, or somebody who gets them to come to church. Now your job is just be in relationship with them and, and help them uh, come to an awareness of what God is already doing in their life. We have the confidence in this church. I believe this about Jesus. You get around Jesus, you're going to want more Jesus in your life. I, I, I think Jesus is, he, we look in the New Testament, Jesus was tremendously attractive to outsiders. Tremendously. Tremendously. Religion wasn't, but Jesus is. And I'm still confident today. I mean, there's a lot of people turned off by the church in America. I get that. But I, I'm convinced today that Jesus is the most attractive person there is. And you get around Jesus, you experience a little bit of that grace, that freedom, that love. It, it, it changes you. You're going to want more of that. And we believe that, that when people want, when, when we help them go, move towards Jesus, Jesus is going to validate their, their, their search for God. And so we just, we're, you know, our, our job really is, as people at this church is just, uh, you know, kind of like investigators. We're just trying to investigate, you know, what, what's God doing in your life? I find myself in conversations, whether it's a cigar shop or the bar next door, a coffee shop, wherever, where I'm helping. I'm just, you know, that thing that you just talked about there, I believe that's God moving in your life. What? Yeah. I believe that's God. God's already moving in your life. Now let's help you, help you move further towards Jesus in your journey. So that's centered set versus bounded set. So we're trying to be a centered set community of faith. This brings me to the next group of circles. I think we're up to 16 now. Um, this is believing from the center. This is how we hold our beliefs. A lot of people ask me, you know, I've not been real good about putting a theological statement up on our website because um, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what theology I, I believe. But um, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no. Uh, the National Vineyard, they do have a, a theological statement. You can explore that. But I, I really think for, for most people, I, and, and, and just so you know, I mean, we, we kind of land. I'll, I'll talk about what we believe here in, in, in kind of a nutshell here in a minute. But uh, I, I think really what matters to a lot of people isn't so much what you believe, but how you believe what you believe. That makes sense? So... So you can find a lot of people, uh, you look at the doctrinal statements between a, a lot of churches here on the North Shore and you think, oh, they all believe the same thing. You get around those churches, you realize like, okay, what the Pentecostals mean by this is very different from what the Greek Orthodox and very different from what the Episcopalians. It, 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 it's various different ways of doing that. So here's, here's how we come to, to the way we process our beliefs here in this church. Jesus, number one, is in the center. Jesus is the foundation of the church. We believe Jesus is the point of scripture. If you come to this church, you're going to hear a lot about Yes. <laughs> we, we believe, you know, Jesus said this in the Gospel of John. He says to the Pharisees, he said, you search the Bible because you think in the Bible you've got life, but it's the, actually the Bible that testifies me, God, the Messiah, standing right in front of your face, and you can't see me. So when we come to even the Bible, we look at the Bible through the, through the lens of Jesus. We read the Bible as if Jesus is the point of the Bible. We also try to read the Bible the way Jesus read the Bible. There's some clues to that. Jesus said, you want to you know what the whole Bible's about? Love God and love people. 
So we try to read the Bible like Jesus read the Bible. We, we believe he's the point of our existence. We be, be, believe he's the one who has reconciled us to the Father. And so we're not going to move off of that. Like that's the one thing that, that you know, we may shift uh, our philosophy of ministry, some things that we believe on doctrine as we wrestle through them over the years. But we're not going to shift that. Okay, moving out from Jesus, we have dogma. Now, dogma is a bad word in our modern age. I get it. But here's basically what dogma, the original definition was. It's just kind of the handful of things that, that Christians could agree on. You know, they came up with, with the Apostles' Creed in the beginning. We would affirm the Apostles' Creed as, as something that we believe around here. What's in the Apostles' Creed? Maybe we'll read it next week. It's uh, Jesus was both God and man. Uh, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. The second coming of Jesus. It's it's very simple statement of, of just a handful of things that the churches throughout the history of the world, various different flavors of churches, have believed in. So that's dogma. Moving out from dogma, we have doctrine. Now, doctrine would be everything from, from your views on the gifts of the Spirit to, um, like in the Catholic Church, that you know, that priests can't get married or that the communion is, you know, transubstantiation, big word. I'll use that in Scrabble. Uh, that, 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 you know, the, the bread and the, the wine are the actual, turned into the actual body and blood of Jesus. Um, things along those lines. Or Calvinism versus Arminianism. And if you're here and you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. You probably. <laughs> but there are all these things. And the area of doctrine is really where we get to the things that, that divide groups of Christians. Uh, that's why the Methodists are different from the Baptists, and the Baptists are different from the Pentecostals, and the Greek Orthodox are different from uh, the Catholics. Um, and so this is the level of things. But, but what I want to say about doctrine is, we, I, I believe doctrine is important, uh, but it's not the stuff in the center. Doctrine really is our processing of stuff in the center and working out. Doctrine is really how we wrestle with what does it mean that Jesus is king? What does it mean that God has reconciled us to himself? What does that look like? How does that work in modern America 2014? And so doctrine is that. And I think doctrine, you know, through the history of church, doctrine has, has, has on, undergone major changes and stuff. And I say in my life, my doctrine has changed a bunch of times in the last 20 years I've been following. And, and I'm still wrestling through, what does this mean? Now, hopefully, I'm wrestling from the center, and I'm not just splitting doctrinal hairs. But I know a lot of people who take doctrine, and they try to put it in the middle and build a church on the doctrine. You can't build a church on doctrine. Doctrine is built on the foundation of Jesus. And then out, outside of doctrine, we've got uh, opinion. Now, opinion is your beliefs on politics, education, uh, even some aspects of the Bible are very much up to, to speculation. And, and, but a lot of times people want to take their opinions about the Bible and, and put them in the center as well. Or their opinions about politics. I've been around certain groups of Christians that if you weren't uh, of a certain political persuasion, you weren't a Christian. It's like, really? You've got to have certain ideas about government and to, to follow Jesus? Uh, but that's, again, and, and so, so the point with this, this whole thing is that, that we believe in Jesus in a way where the further we get from the center, the lighter we hold to our beliefs. Doctrine, opinions are important. I've got opinions. Uh, I, I can do another message on my opinions someday. Um, 
But, but we put our opinions and our doctrine where they're at. Opinions aren't as, aren't as important as doctrine. Doctrine's not as important as dogma. And none of it's as important as the stuff in the center, which is Jesus. And so this is the way we hold our beliefs. And the good thing is that, that when we realize that Jesus is the foundation, it, it becomes the, the, a place of unity, that we're unified with Christians of all different stripes and colors. So even though I don't agree with the doctrine of, of Roman Catholic Church, they're my brothers and sisters in Christ. Even though I, I might have differences of opinion on, on uh, ways that, that the, the, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, manifest than, than United Pentecostals, they're still my brothers and sisters in Christ. Even though I have maybe different ideas on, on the second coming of Jesus than the fundamentalist Baptist church down the road, they're still, if they claim Jesus is their Lord, then, hey, we've got unity with them. It's, it's the level of doctrine where we, we, we kind of get our unique uh, ideas about that. Does that make sense? Yes. All right. This brings me to the final thing I want to say today. Hospitable Christianity. See, the, the, the point of all of this is that we want to become, you know, we, hospitality is a big value here at the Vineyard. And a lot of times we confine hospitality to just thinking about people who make coffee or give you your, your bulletins on a Sunday morning. But hospitality is a whole way of life that, that exists beyond coffee. You know, we do a whole lot of things in this church around a table. And it's not just because we like to eat. And we do. <laughs> Can I get an amen? <laughs> uh, we like to eat. But there's something to me about setting a table and, and being hospitable to people. Whether they're Christians or not Christians. And, and opening a discussion and realizing that God is there. And that, that I, can, I can learn from God in other people and they can learn from God in me. And, and in that space that... that, that that we'll all be changed to be more like Jesus. Henry Nouwen wrote this, I uh, read this a couple of years before we started this church, and it's just, it's one of my favorite quotes. Hospitality is not to change another person, but to offer a space in which change can take place. We're not having people, when we do Alpha, we do Alpha here, which is an introduction course to Christianity. Uh, we're not doing a sales job on Jesus, you know, like trying to, you know, put the pressure on and, 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 you know, but we set a table. We invite people in here. Yes, we're going to talk about Jesus. We're going we're gonna to have discussions about that, but, but we're going to be hospitable. We're not trying to close the deal. We're not trying to force you into something. We want you to feel like you can be yourself and be loved just as you are. And, and we believe you get around Jesus, you're going, you're going to want him. And so we want to be hospitable, both in the way that we do our weekend services and the way that we do things outside the church, the way we do Alpha, the way we do home groups. So this goes into all these different areas. So how, where do we go from here kind of practically? This gets back to one of the announcements that Penny did earlier in the service, the, uh, what do we call this, uh, missional community brainstorming meeting. What the heck is that? When it comes to community in this church, we have, we have a handful of small groups that, that kind of prop up at different times of the year. Um, but I, I really don't have any desire to just try to start 10 or 15 different home groups and just try to get everybody to go to those. I want us to think about community in terms of what, what I've talked about today. How can we experience community with others who are Christians 
who are following Jesus, as well as people who are outside the church, in the natural rhythms and place of our life. So, for instance, uh, think about some of your interests that you may share with other people. Maybe you like working on old cars. Maybe you're a big fan of knitting. Maybe you like playing Texas Hold'em. Maybe golf. Maybe cigars. Maybe... Maybe you like <laughs> dancing. Yes, another one. Uh, maybe maybe you, you want to learn how to cook better. Think of some ways that your natural desires might connect you with some others. Also think about your place in life. Uh, you know, there, there, you may be a, 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 a couple who has newly born kids. Newly born? <laughs> Infants? <laughs> You may be first-time parents. Uh, you may be a single mom. You may be an empty nester. Uh, think of your place in life. Also think about what is it that God has put in your heart that, that for, for helping people in the community. Maybe God really put something in your... You know, I mentioned that sex trafficking uh, conference that's going on next month. Maybe that, you know, you really have a heart to see people come out of... of, of human trafficking and, 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 and slavery. Maybe you, you want to help with the Boys and Girls Club right down the road. Think of some of your di- desires. And what we're going to do at the end of this month, we're going to invite all of you out here for a brainstorming meeting. And if we can find four or five people uh, that have the same interests, whether it's the same desire, the same place in life, uh, same heart for outreach, we're going to try to get you together in, in a way that fits not just, doesn't add just another thing to your life, but actually enters into the rhythms of your natural life. So you're not just adding more stuff to your life, but you're, you're, you're experiencing God in your everyday life with other people in this church. The only things that we value in this is, that, is um, being missional, community, and intentionality. Uh, by, by missional, I mean that, that we want to, we have, have a desire to, to, to touch people that are not in this church, you know, specifically, to help people in the community. By community, I mean authentic relationships. And then the final one is intentionality. You know, we've done something the last few years called tie groups. We do it during the season of Lent, but quite often, I think most years, my, my tie group, three is enough group, by the way, that's what it means. My three is enough group has gone on for weeks after Lent. And basically, a three is enough group is you find three or four other people who can meet one hour a week. For, we had some guys who were meeting in Metairie on the South Shore uh, for lunch. The, the guys that work down there, we had some moms that would meet in a coffee shop once a week. Different people meet at different times. It doesn't matter. There's no leader. There's no Bible study. All you're doing is sharing your journey with other people, and then you pray for each other. Real simple. And so... That's kind of what we're going with these groups. Not trying to add more stuff to your life, but trying to help you be intentional. And if you can find three or four people, if we find in our brainstorming that we have three or four people who have a heart to do this or connect around this activity or at this place in life, then we as a church will help resource you into ways you can do that in a way that's missional, uh, intentional community. So that's a little plug for that. That's all I got to say about that. I'm done. <laughs> uh, do, uh, I'd like to invite uh, some of our prayer team people up here.